This is Proxy Countdown. Welcome to the big show alongside my tag team partner, Matt Muscardi. I'm Damian Rollis on today's countdown. Three big proxy cage matches at three of America's most famous brands. A one-day CEO at a solar company. Yes, one day. A surprise shareholder victory at Lionsgate Entertainment. The same old chicken noodle at America's iconic soup can. And on the big vote, we take a deep dive at AutoZone, the company that makes its directors all wear the same blue shirt. get to our trade wire, Matt. Let's start with some sad news. A director death at Morgan Stanley. Alistair Darling passed away on November 30th. Alistair had been a member of Morgan Stanley's board since 2016. Here's his full name, Matt. Alistair McLean Darling, Baron Darling of Rulanish Privy Council. That's a lot of names. He was a British politician who served as Chancellor of the Exchequer under Prime Minister Gordon Brown. Staying with Morgan Stanley in director moves, Disney is playing defense, appointing Morgan Stanley CEO James Gorman and former Sky CEO Jeremy Duroc to their board. Uh, meanwhile, director Francis D'Souza is stepping down from the board uh, at the 2024 AGM. We'll get more into this later, Matt. We're going to talk about the proxy contest, the proxy cage max going on between Nelson Peltz and Disney. Quick point here, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Gorman and Jeremy Darek appointed to the board. Of course. This is not gone to vote, obviously, and D'Souza will be around until 2024. So we've got a nice packed room for the remainder of this year. Just so the audience knows, I very diligently delete the word elected from these press releases and change it to the word appointed because there's no election going on when they make these announcements. They're Not appointing these right. directors to the board. AIG appointed Jimmy Dunn the third to the board. Mr. Dunn, I should call him Jimmy the Third, enters with compromise independence as he is vice chairman at Piper Sandler, which received nearly $10 million in service fees related to the IPO of AIG's life and retirement business called Core Bridge Financial. So Jimmy Dunn coming in with some related party transactions there, AIG. J3, feeling like an insider before we even start. And busy, busy, busy at Arista Networks. First of all, Chantel Breithaupt is the new CFO, fresh with a $12 million golden hello package for just starting a job at Arista Networks. In addition, what, an opening, what a signing bonus. In addition, founder and board chair Andy Bechtelsheim is stepping down from the board and will transition to the role of chief architect. And CTO Kenneth Duda will take his board seat uh, uh, and CEO Jayshri Ulal's power will increase as she becomes board chair. So there's a lot going on over there at Arista Networks. That's a lot of changing influence and also a big question of what chief architect even is. And before we get on to our proxy cage matches, there are a few tidbits from smaller cap companies that I wanted to highlight. First at uh, Eagle Pharmaceutical. Scott, Scott Tariff is out at CEO at Eagle Pharmaceuticals from the filing. Quote, 
After consideration of various alternatives, including termination with or termination without cause, the board accepted Mr. Tariff's resignation. Wow. So despite nearly almost coulda, shoulda, woulda terminating him for cause, Scott walks away with a golden parachute worth approximately $10 million and will receive $20,000 monthly consulting fees for only 20 hours of work. Look, when they put in the filing that they had the ability to terminate with <laughs> with cause, cause, with cause yeah. and somehow they still get $10 million and 20000 a month, it seems like something's gone awry. There's a shit show happening at Generation Bio where the board just approved mass layoffs affecting 40% of the company. Two notable terminations include Chief Medical Officer Douglas Kerr and Chief Development Officer Tracy Zimmerman. Matt, despite the turmoil and the fact that Generation Bio share price has fallen from $47 to $1, zero directors have been terminated since the company was founded in 2016. These directors wow. hold on, Matt. It's incredible. Wow, they are holding on tight, baby. I mean, think about that. They're laying off 40% of the company, two of the biggest executives. The share price is tanked and they're still you, got their jobs. I mean, you can't even, you should at a bare minimum get rid of 40% of the board, shouldn't we? I Exa mean, exactly. at the bare minimum. Last but not least, this is a good one. Tanner Ochilik was appointed CEO at solar company Complete Solaria on November 20th. One day later, he stepped down for personal reasons. Wow, personal reasons. I don't think with I've ever seen this. Without cause. With what? or without cause. What, what what was going on in his personhood the day before? <laughs> he was <laughs> he was he was okay the day before. I, this is to spend more time with his family. He had been working hard. By the way, before we get on to our proxy cage matches, I wanna Give a shout out to my co-host Matt Muscardi. I love this sexy husky voice you're rocking today. Is this an affect for the show? I wish. I wish it was an affect. It's just my voice leaving me as I speak. <laughs> Let's get to the proxy cage matches. First, Starbucks. A coalition of North American labor unions called the Strategic Organizing Center. You probably might have known of them as Change to Win Federation. That's what they're formally called. Has nominated three directors to the Starbucks board. That is Maria Echeveste, a former senior White House official. ESG Pro Joshua Gottbaum. Nice. And the former chair of the National Labor Relations Board, Wilma Lieben. So a good proxy cage match at Starbucks coming from the unions. Look, this actually points out the fact that you can slate directors at where you have proxy access. The whole point of proxy access, if you're an investor, is you have the ability to nominate directors. That's exactly what's happening here. And now we get to see how investors will choose. We talked about the two new directors of Walt Disney. The same day, activist investor Nelson Peltz announced he was launching a proxy campaign to get seats on Disney's board. The company adopted amended bylaws covering nominations of directors by outside parties. And meanwhile, in a bid to win shareholder favor, Disney announced a cash dividend of 30 cents per share. So they're trying to buy shareholders to, to stick with their board. 
Uh, Nelson Peltz, unfortunately for us, is keeping his nominees a mystery. According to NBC, to, according to CNBC, Peltz is asking for more than two directors, which I guess means three. I don't know what that means, more than two <laughs> directors. But Nelson, who are they? Come on, you, well, you, could, you couldn't have figured this out before the proxy contest? Look, Pelt has a point here. Uh, he wrote this in his letter to Disney shareholders, quote, Disney's share price has underperformed proxy peers in broader market over every relevant period during the last decade and over the tenure of each incumbent director. Now, that's the important point. These people have not overseen value creation. I'm not sure that 30 cents per you know, uh, as a dividend, palm greasing their investors will do enough to mollify the fact that not everyone named Fink or Mortimer hates Disney. Just about everyone hates them right now. Everyone hates them. So look, the boardroom was picked by Iger. Chapik never got a chance. Almost all of them stink. The top TSR performer is Cal McDonald at 597. He's just above average, and he hasn't been there very long. The team bats 438. Controversies haunt everyone. The team bats 150 on controversies. That's in the bottom 15% of all directors. And 96% of the influence is held by directors who are directly connected to one another. Forget indirect connections at Marvel movie after parties. Since Susan Arnold left, the female influence has dropped under 50%. This is an aristocracy, according to our data. I think this is inevitable. And Peltz actually has a point here. Break up the aristocracy. Finally, a proxy cage match, uh, Blackwells versus Wendy's and Trian, actually. I'll get I'll explain that. Black Blackwells Capital is preparing to challenge Wendy's board in a push for improvements to the fast food chain's financial performance. Blackwells, run by Jason Intabi, plans to nominate several directors to Wendy's 12-member board. The challenge pits Blackwells against uh, uh, activist fund Trian Fund, which we just talked about, run by Nelson Peltz. Trian already owns 16% of Wendy's. And in fact, they have three Wendy's board members, including Nelson Peltz himself, Nelson's son, Matthew Peltz, right? And Trian president Peter May. So in a kind of a Disney movie twist of fate here, Blackwells also antagonized Trian this week over its fight at Disney. First, by supporting CEO Bob Iger in supporting his board appointments, and then by calling out Nelson Peltz's general strategy. Quote, in an act of nepotism, Mr. Peltz installed his son, Matthew Peltz, as the non-executive vice chairman and packed the board with business partners and friends while presiding over a period of disappointing results for Wendy's shareholders. So, Matt, this is like an exciting three-way battle royale, right? I, look, I'm going to go out and on a limb here and say Blackwell's has a point. Imagine <laughs> if, I mean, imagine if Bob Iger put Katie Iger, oh. whose credits include field producer for Roker on the Road, on the Disney board. Nepo directorships shouldn't exist. Not a good they look, shouldn't Nelson. Exist. Not a good look. Not a good look. I, nothing against Matthew, but only one. We only need one Peltz member on the Wendy's board. That's it for the proxy cage matches. It's time for ooh, our vote results table. Nobody knows why we call it a table, but here are the vote results over the past week. We covered in depth uh, Campbell Soup Company. Here are the results, Matt. 
all directors received at least 97% support. Unbelievable. In, in fact, only two directors were even below the 99% support threshold, and that's two of the family members, Mary Alice Dorrance Malone and Archibald Dorrance Van Buren. Dorrance being the founding family of the Campbell's Soup Company. Not that that 3% against them matters. I just wanted to point that out. I mean, but we do need to say here that Uncle Archie and Aunt Mary had their shot. It's not exactly like Campbell's is bringing in shareholder returns. At some point, it's a one share, one vote company. Are investors going to say, you know, having the Doran's family run the nomination committee might be a step too far? Let them keep their shares. They don't need to be on every committee. And as we covered, Uncle Archie is the highest paid director on the entire board. We're paying him to be a shareholder. Get out. Uh 95% support for say on pay, not a surprise. Uh, here's an interesting little wrinkle. They ask companies, they ask shareholders to vote on a say on pay frequency. It's normally an annual vote runs away with the contest, right? But at sure. Campbell's, it looks like there's a subset of shareholders that really don't give a care. They really don't care. They're really willing to mail it in. 15% of shareholders at Campbell's Soup Company voted to vote on Sam Pay every three years. They're saying, we don't even care about this annual vote. Let, we'll do it every three years. You know what the crazy part about that is? I believe 32% of the shares are held by the Dorrance family in various factions, which means not even the Dorrance family could coalesce around three years. So, so I, that sounds like Uncle Archie saying, all right, let's stop this. There were two shareholder proposals at Campbell Soup Company, one calling for cage-free eggs from the Humane Society. Only 7% of shareholders said yes. I don't really I don't get this one at all. Yeah. I don't get this one at all, mostly because this doesn't have to do with cage-free eggs. It has to do with the fact that Campbell Soup said they would. They made a yes. commitment to get to cage-free eggs by a certain date. They have fallen behind on that commitment, and they are not reporting on that commitment. This is about holding them accountable for something they said they would do. Forget the eggs. It's about doing what you say you do. I think what you mean is forget the chickens. Ah, either way. And finally, a proposal brought to the shareholders by As You Sow uh, only received 8% support. It, it, a similar proposal last year received 9% support. So that uh, no surprise on that one. No surprise there. Let's jump over to a few uh, other crazy vote results. Provident Financial Holdings. Matt, shareholders rejected CEO and chair Craig Blunden. You don't see this very wow. often. 51% right. of shareholders said a big fat no to the company's CEO and chair. So I, I want to applaud the shareholders at Provident Financial Holdings. Yeah, I mean, like, that. it didn't even feel like a game time uh, upset. I, I think this is, this is actually a long time coming, but it's great to see shareholders actually say no to something. And let's jump over to Lionsgate Entertainment. Uh, shareholders are a little riled up there, too. Uh, 34% said no on say and pay, which is a respectable number. But here's the big one. Here's a crazy one. Crazy little wrinkle. There is a shareholder proposal brought by Newberger Berman Investment Advisors asking the company to eliminate the dual clash share structure, right? It's a pretty simple shareholder proposal. Unusually, the board didn't have an opinion on this proposal. Here's a statement of the board from the proxy. It said, 
The company appreciates the proposal and will continue to evaluate whether single or dual class stock is the most appropriate share structure for executing its strategic initiatives. It didn't say either way, vote, support it, or or, or vote against it, which is highly unusual. That I don't think I've ever seen really that before. Strange. Yeah, and here, it's strange. And here's what happened. 62% of shareholders at Lionsgate Entertainment voted to eliminate the dual class share structure at Lionsgate. That's an incredible victory. This is, I mean, these got to be our favorite people in the world, right? The shareholders at Lionsgate. I, I mean, hypothetically, uh, but <laughs> the, the fact is that the dual class still exists at companies that actually matter, like oh. Meta and Google, right? So we're talking about Lionsgate, which is, uh, you know, a mid-tier player when it comes to, you know, entertainment, where most of the companies are one share, one vote. I'm not sure that we should be celebrating this so much as saying, why can it exist at companies where we should be making a change? And finally, on our vote table, Lumentum Holdings, a failed say-on-pay vote. Uh, win, that's a win for ISS. Uh, that's all I got to say. Oh, I, I wanted to mention this about Lumentum Holdings. So say-on-pay vote fails. Shareholders say no to pay. But the compensation committee, the directors received an average support of 82% yes. So somehow... They're not willing to punish the architects architects of the pay that they hate. We see this time and time again. It makes absolutely no sense. People, these compensation plans, they don't come from chat GPT or, or, or Gemini, Google's new AI. They come from the compensation committee. Those are the, that's, those that's are the architects of these plans. And we should get, we'll get into that when we get to the big vote for sure. Let's, let's, let's move on to the big vote then. That's a very nice segue. Thank you, Matt. And today's big vote, we are looking at S&P 500 company, believe it or not, AutoZone. AutoZone. AutoZone will be holding their annual meeting uh, December 20th. That's an unusual date for an annual meeting. No, five days before Christmas. It's kind of folksy, no? Yeah, but uh, look, here's the thing. I think if history is any guide, they know that they're going to get 98% support and go home for Christmas and high-five one another. Well, maybe for good reason. I want to point this out. I want to just a few general observations before we get into our recommendations. First of all, Matt, uh, when CEO Bill Rhodes III, when he took over in 2005... The share price at AutoZone was around $90, respectable $90. Flash forward to 2023, the share price at AutoZone is $2,600, and a little bit of appreciation. And since Bill Rhodes III has taken over, that share price just goes up steadily goes up i don't think i've ever seen anything like it honestly i've never there were no dips no dips just keeps going up uh other general observations the board of directors are forced to wear uniforms they're all wear that is true blue shirts (laughs) in the proxy so i'm i applaud autozone for that detail uh ownership is diffuse it's institutionally held i suppose vanguard has 10% of shares, BlackRock 8% of shares, Fidelity and JP Morgan 5%. So no no single person controls this company. This is not a dictatorship. Except, 
that yeah. that's that represents almost a quarter of all shares. It's a lot and of shares. They vote. They voted in the past two years, one hundred percent for management, with no exceptions. One hundred percent for management. Uh, some key takeaways to consider too. There is a big CEO succession coming up in January. That's next month. So again, the guy we just talked about, Bill Rhodes the third, the architect of the greatest share price rise in the history of the world, is actually. He's stepping down from CEO, but remaining as executive chair. So he's not really going anywhere. He, he's probably still going to have the most influence and control the company. So if you're an AutoZone shareholder, you can you have at least a few more years to feel okay about life. The new CEO is an, an internal hire. It's no surprise, right? When, when we analyze this company, we'll see why that's probably true. His name is Philip Danielle. He will be the new CEO the only other things I wanted to point out before I before hearing your perspective, Matt, is that there are four directors on the board with considerable related party transactions, according to MSCI, so that they you know they have some other little dealings that they do, little little you know little under the table dealings there. And finally, of the directors wearing the ten blue shirts, one director is actually wearing a red sweater over her blue shirt. <laughs> this is true. She was cold that day. I think that the air conditioning was on. And her name is Linda Goodspeed. Goodspeed, yeah. Which is so a, which is a great name if you're a director at AutoZone, right? Am I wrong? So this it is a great name. Um, uh, but I, I want to start with Bill Rhodes because you're right, singing some praises. Let's get right to it. Let's get to the first proposal: the election of the directors. Go ahead. So there, there are ten elect, ten directors up for election. The whole, the the, the whole board comes up for election every single year. Um, but I want to say about Rhodes stepping into the executive chair role and mm -hmm. out of the CEO role, it does feel, and this this has to do with my view of the future for this company. Mm -hmm. It does feel Igerish. While there's not a pandemic on the horizon that he sees coming, that he's stepping out of the way of, the version of a pandemic, I think is an electric vehicle transition that is very real and happening right now. This is a hugely successful stock run by a high, highly parochial board of directors that ha is in an industry that is steadily pivoting away from combustion engines that need mm -hmm. a lot of parts where EVs don't, which means all of a sudden your whole retail model, which is selling a million auto parts, stops being as relevant over time. And it's a board run company. The influence of insiders on the board is less than 40%. The CEO has less than 25% of the influence of the company. The lead independent director, and I use independent in air quotes here, has been on the board for 21 years. He has right. a 21 Earl year tenure. Earl Graves Jr. And the head of the comp committee has a 17 year tenure. This is actually run by board members who are all effectively local. Here's the thing that stood out to me. Mm -hmm. There is no EV expertise on this board. There's no software technology expertise on this board. There's no security experts on this board. There is one almost 100% retail expertise and not online retail. You have board members from Ulta Beauty. You have um, uh, Brinker International, which is restaurants. You have Dollar General. You have JB Hunt Transport Services. You have the banker for AutoZone on the board. Does mm -hmm. it get any more parochial than hiring your own banker uh, for your board? Uh, it doesn't. Maybe this is why, again, the annual meeting is December 20th, right? It's a, it's a chance to have a not only an annual meeting, but a little get-together, a, a little holiday party. party for all your friends. 
Uh, that's that's exactly right. <laughs> right, and it's you no have, holiday party at AutoZone in Tennessee. It, you're right, it's a Christmas party. You, you ha- yeah, come on, Get, yeah. stop being a socialist. There are two pairs of directors who sit on concurrent boards, and as you said, four others have material transactions with the company. That is AutoZone's bank, AutoZone's insurance provider, mm-hmm. AutoZone's airline, and AutoZone's break room snack vendor. That's not a joke. <laughs> Those are all real. Sounds nice. But 42% of the board influence is through connected directors. I did an analysis of where these directors sit on boards and where they have jobs, effectively, where their headquarters are. 50% of the board is based in the Dallas, Texas area, despite the fact that this company is in Tennessee. And 40% are in Tennessee. You have two states represented in the room, effectively. This is super local. Yeah, it's a very middle of America type of company, yes. which is funny that when you mentioned the the EV versus gas car battle, right? This is where that battle is really going to be fought the most is in the middle of the country. Exactly right. And when we look at the ideological divide on this board, in fact, going director by director, 69% of the influence on the board is conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they're either part of lobbyists, you know, or donated to lobbyists for conservative causes. They donated entirely themselves to one party, mostly the, the Republicans. In fact, Mike George is one of, an ultra conservative who sits on like the National Constitution Center with other ultra conservatives. Mm. This is a very conservative room in conservative parts of the country who are active fighting against electric vehicles, running a company that sells combustion engine parts and is not pivoting as the rest of the world is pivoting. So here is what my takeaway is. Go ahead. This is a ticking time bomb. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to... The idea isn't you pivot 10 years from now when all of a sudden it's too late. You need the strategic thinking in the room now to be ready for 10 years from now. And the board's job is to be that strategic thinking. I say um, that the free floats game time picks vote against Linda Goodspeed, vote against a Merconic junior who's been there for 17 years. And I don't know how he has any business being there in the first place, given that his actual experience is at Kmart when it was failing, mm-hmm. then Borders Group, the bookstore, when Another it was failure. failing, yeah. then as a consultant for failing companies after his two companies failed. I don't understand how he gets in the room. And D. Brian Jordan, you shouldn't have your, uh, your, your bank CEO be on your board either. And make space for the following. Go. You, you just breathed like you had something to say. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it, it speaks to the idea of not just about voting out directors, but really you're creating board vacancies because you're really looking at the long term, right? I, and I think it, this is an important time for AutoZone marked by this CEO succession is that something is going to have to change. This, this good ride is going to come to an end eventually. And I think you're right. I think creating board vacancies that open up spots for different expertise is an absolute must here. And and to I did some of the work, even though we're not a board placement agent, I did some of the work Go for ahead. investors 
there you can get a software expert, an auto software expert like Dmitry Dolgoff. Mm -hmm. He's the co-CEO of Waymo. He's from Google X and they're self doing their self-driving. These are people who you absolutely 100% want on a company that's going to have to pivot to service a totally different type of vehicle. How about EV repair expert Chris Sullivan? He's the head of Tesla's collision repair for North America. That's exactly who you want. You, if you want to deal with EVs, replacing parts after collisions should be part of the business model of AutoZone. Or what about someone who actually knows something about auto repair? Mm -hmm. The fact that we talk about Exxon and Chevron and we were upset they didn't have oil experts on the board when engine number one slated oil experts to put on their boards. We're talking about a car, an auto part company that has no one who's ever fixed a car on it professionally. What about LaShawn English? She's the director of UAW, region number one. She's a pipe fitter for Stellantis. That's exactly the kind of person you want. Somebody who knows how these cars are built and knows how to work with the employees and, unioni and unions, especially as union movements coming up. That's a cursory search. The point is you can replace some of the limited expertise and parochialness with an expanded set of expertise and make these slots available for people that you actually want for the future. All right, moving on. So so just to wrap up, uh, vote against Linda Goodspeed, George McCarrick Jr., and D. Brian Jordan. But I think in general, the idea I'm getting is just create some board vacancies. Yes, we need the space. Uh, moving on quickly, uh, a proposal two on the independent auditor. As an outlier, last year, Ernst & Young got 7% votes against. It's not a big story, not a big deal, but it's pretty high for the companies that we look at. Matt, you have a perspective here? Yeah, I think you vote against, and I don't think you're voting against the auditor. I think until the members of the audit committee aren't all connected, including Merconic Jr., who's been there for 17 years, until those members haven't been rubbing elbows with the actual auditor for two decades, you're, you vote against the auditor until they replace the audit committee. Uh, moving on, say on pay vote at AutoZone, 12% uh, of shareholders said no last year. The pay package for CEO William Rhodes is pretty simple, Matt. It is options. That's it. It's They're not tied to performance. Uh, it, it's This is not about an annual bonus. This is about they just give him a crap ton of stock options. Last year, uh, his pay was roughly $19 million. $16 million of that came in options. Again, not tied to any kind of performance. So that's the pay plan. I mean, call that a plan. I don't know. But that's what's going on over there at AutoZone. You pointed this out with Lumentum. It is, there was an 88% vote yes in 2022, which isn't actually surprisingly that high. It's, it's a little bit low. And yet every single director is getting 96, 97, 98, 99% for votes. You don't vote for the pay. You vote for the team that sets the pay. In this case, the team is Merconic Jr., who's the comp chair who's been there for 17 years. Goodspeed, who's been there 10 years. And Hanish, who's a CEO himself. Is there anything worse than having a CEO set another CEO's pay? They know all the tricks. They know exactly how to pay themselves. So I think you vote against pay until the pay committee changes as well. You need to put a, a team in place that you can trust, and then you just let them do their jobs. 
All right, that's it. That's AutoZone. Quick and simple. No shareholder proposals. Uh, that's what's going on there. Uh, I want to point out once again that that is a board that wears a uniform. They all wear blue shirts in their board <laughs> pictures on their proxy statement. And one woman who Matt suggests that we vote out was wearing a, a red sweater. That's Compensation Committee member Linda Goodspeed. Let's call it the red sweater vote. Vote out red sweaters. That is... Proxy Countdown for the week of December 4th, 2023. Join us next week when we jump back into the alternative democracy pool forever on the lookout for shareholder, for shareholder sharks, floating band-aids, and wayward directors. That could be a new term, though, shark holder. Yeah, it's just shark holders. Yeah.